Welcome to another episode of the Data Dynamics Show. Welcome, everyone. Eldad, how are you? I'm great. Yeah? Always good to visit. Good to see you again. Yeah. You didn't come over for uh, Shabbos dinner uh, last night. It's the only place we meet on podcasts. <laughs> uh, with us today, Yoav Shmaria, uh, VP R&D of the SaaS platform at Similar Web. Yoav, how are you? Never better. How are you guys? Uh, thanks for joining. So you are from the similar web. Similar web, if you haven't heard, uh, is an amazing data product. Uh, similar web are market intelligence and, and research platform, uh, publicly traded as of last year. Uh, you have tell us a little bit about your journey uh, to where you are at similar web. How did your, your uh, career revolve? My my personal journey in similar web. Yes, even so before, because yeah. you have a, a nice mix of software engineering, data technologies and now management of, of R&D groups. Yes, so basically um, I started my journey as an entrepreneur doing my studies actually. So I had some, um, some touch in doing everything from everything, uh, from full stack development, marketing, sales, and we had some uh, specialty around uh, payments and registration uh, platforms. Um, and I found my uh, my career journey starting in similar web as a front-end developer, actually, um, not, not in data. Uh, I have a very strong connection with, with product management, uh, with, with business management. And I think this is, um, this capabilities took me to start managing uh, within the organization. And eventually two and a half years ago, I'm all, already six years in similar web, actually. Uh, I joined when my big daughter was six months old and now she's six years old. So that's quite a journey. Um, and for the last two and a half years, uh, I'm leading uh, the R&D group of our main B2B product. We call it uh, Pro internally. Um, and uh, when I joined, when I started my current role, we were a bit less than 30 employees. Today, we are over 80. Um, 15 of them are located in Ukraine, the rest in Tel Aviv. Um, and... Um, and I think that my biggest leap was actually when I when I started leading the entire group. So I had to deep dive into the entire uh, data ecosystem uh, in our organization, um, which was an amazing and still an amazing journey. Um, and um, and and yeah, basically in my group I have uh, two main positions uh, separated into backend engineers and frontend engineers. And what's special in, in, in our group in similar world that the backend developers are basically doing some kind of full stack backend engineering. We call it data server. Uh, it's a mix of data engineering, uh, focusing on ingesting data into different databases and the backend layer for, for the API. So before we dive into that super interesting stack, which we want to really dive deep into, tell us that the audience in your own words about what similar web does. And, and the role data plays at similar web. Yeah, so uh, what usually people do, getting hard to understand about similar web is that we are not giving you some insights above your data. Uh, we are giving insights about everyone else's data. Um, and the simplest way to describe it is Google Analytics for the entire internet, okay? Uh, which is basically is. We are giving uh, analysis across any or almost any domain, uh, and also mobile web apps, um, a mobile app, sorry. And 
basically we divide our use cases into five separate solutions. So we are starting with the, the general research. So today, you know, most of the marketing budget goes to digital, not to paperwork and not, you know, not radio. Um, and the, the journey usually starts with research when we getting some strategy decisions um, around um, how my market looks like. So I want to get into the website builder market. Who are the main players uh, in which countries they are and how the audience looks like? So if I'm, for example, a marketer, digital marketer at, at, Zara, at Zara clothing yeah. company, mm -hmm. what do I do with uh, the similar web application? Did you offer your friends something to eat? It's remote, mom. They're not physically with us. Did you talk about Fireball? The, the podcast is not about, it's not about Fireball, mom. Did you tell your friends it's the fastest cloud data warehouse? Mom, uh, we're in the middle. Please close the door, we'll talk later. So first of all, you would like to explore um, the fashion industry uh, worldwide, maybe to get some uh, trends around uh, rising um, countries or uh, some rising audiences to uh, find new competitors, uh, understand maybe the market is getting a lot of traffic from, let's say, display ads. Uh, let's say that in average, most of the fashion websites getting 10% from display ads and I'm getting only 2% for my traffic. So maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe the audience uh, for fashion um, really loves banners. Okay, so this is like very, very high level a market insight, and then we are going into the competitive research. Um, we call it the digital marketing to optimize for each channel, for the for the uh, SEO, PPC, media buying, affiliate manager. These personas are doing tactical actions, uh, like tracking search engine position, um, tracking their campaigns, understand a competitor's um, performance, um, and and basically doing this benchmark with zara.com against um, any other brand uh, and understand what 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 are what are the differences uh, in terms of traffic performance so given that this is such a data centric product uh, let's go back again to to your team so so yeah. how do you call them the, the data back end team well the data server data server so actually in my in my group we are doing everything i mean there it's data engineering back end front end qa uh, but uh, the back, we, I don't have a single backend developer that's doing only you know API uh, coding and data engineers. Uh, it's like a full stack data server engineer, uh, and we changed it. Actually, four years ago, uh, we had a separate group for data engineering uh, and a web group for backend and frontend, and we realized that especially for a product like us, it's super important that the person who modeling the data and the person who is actually serving the data should be the same person. Um, and this is how we started to get data engineering stack for our backend developers. So what titles do the engineers in that group have? Do they call themselves software engineers? Do they call themselves data engineers? Yeah, so in our HR system, it's data server engineer, but most of them on LinkedIn, I guess there are somewhere between backend engineers, software engineers. Uh, so because so yeah. it's software engineer building data-centric products. Yeah. We do separate the front-end from the back-end, but the back-end is not trivial back-end at all. Yeah, that's uh, super interesting. And we love that. Uh, I think uh, one of the calls, it came up that 
you know, let's say 10, 15 years ago, if you asked a software engineer to, you know, build a database or data warehouse or query engine kind of project, people used to look down on that at something beneath their payroll. Today, the most interesting software projects, the hottest thing in software is to build data, data-rich applications, and it's a huge shift uh, in yeah. the market. Yeah, actually, I love to call it uh, that in similar way, we are doing data engineering upside down. Uh, in most of the organization, I probably you also, I find data engineering um, um, on the, like is, is some offline processing, right? It's, it's saved for BI and analytics. It's not part of the real production. Maybe we are uh, hosting some database uh, with a lot of data to serve something, but we don't have an entire data engineering operation for production. In similar web, it's the opposite. We are like analyzing the entire internet and we have this funnel to give real-time insights to our customers. So let's talk about the, the data stack. So what runs there in, uh, in the data server? Wow. So, so um, everything. Uh, I, will, I, I won't deep dive into the entire stack of our data collection methods and the machine learning and everything. As I said, it's data engineering all over the place here. Um, but in my group, so we, we have um, shared data lake that we are uh, storing on AWS, um, which is a very nice name for tons of files, uh, Parquet ORC. There, we are using the Glue catalog of uh, AWS, and a uh, very important detail for similar web. We are managing um, a branch system, a data versioning methodology for our data. That's because uh, we have multiple algorithm, algorithms running to calculate our traffic estimations, and we are changing them from time to time. So we, we are always running with some master branch for our data. Um, and then we having actually in production a mechanism to show our customers a beta branch. So look, we upgraded our estimations, take a look, we are validating it for some period of time. And when we are deciding it's good enough, um, so we need to take a decision whether we run, uh, we are starting a new breaking point with a new algorithm, or we are running back three months or three years of data. Actually, uh, very soon next quarter, we're going to run um, through entire three years of our mobile web, mobile web data. So what you're uh, saying is customers are moving away from software versions to data versions. To them, uh, that's actually much more interesting to be able to play with versions and to be able to kind of understand the data that's driving the results. And, and that's also a very big shift from how engineering looks at the world. I wanted to ask someone with your background, what was the experience in trying to really reorganize an engineering organization that is kind of, right, it's, it's more traditional, looks at data as, as something that's decoupled. Uh, how do you reorg uh, from 20 engineers to 80, but also not just grow in size, but really re rewire how that uh, organization operates on data? How was the experience? Yeah, so actually I think something uh, that really helped me is that we are running... Um, in my, in my group, historically, uh, very strong uh, horizontal teams methodology. That means that we have a matrix organization and there are a lot of methodologies in agile development. What we are doing is that I have um, a data server team and each team member is, or a couple of them, taking part in a different squad of delivery. Um, and this really helped me to, to keep knowledge uh, on, on this uh, in, in this team. Uh, so we are not losing control that in every team, anyone, everybody doing whatever they understand. So we have um, a very 
solid layer of, uh, of data engineering stack. Now, what we did change when uh, I got into the role, I think we had like two ETLs, you know, uh, running on a very uh, premature airflow. Um, and what we did is that we started um, to take, and that's, that's a great lesson. We started to basically take two or three engineers every quarter, okay, from all around uh, the squads, um, and dealing with the infrastructure. And I think our two main tasks uh, that we took when I entered the role was first, um, creating solid infrastructure for uh, ETL abstraction so that every new engineer can pretty easily uh, run a trivial ETL. Yeah, I'm not talking about very complex uh, stack, but let's say we are using DynamoDB a lot. So if I want to just take a very simple collection from S3 buckets and write it to um, DynamoDB, it will be like two hours of work. Okay, and you have a running ETL, supporting branching, everything. It's, uh, it was a big deal. We invested uh, a lot on it. And the second was, was to find more um, databases that we can serve to production because historically uh, we used HBase a lot, uh, which is amazing for concurrency uh, and really, really uh, fast um, uh, querying like the data, but the structure is very key value oriented. It's like you are keeping um, a very dummy data structure for a specific key. Um, you can scale but you cannot really run complex analysis over the data. So this was the main two uh, initiatives that we took with some kind of a virtual team uh, of, uh, of infrastructure. What uh, data volumes do you guys deal with? You talk, uh, so uh, it depends. It's basically per feature. So I think our, uh, our largest database in production is around 150 terabytes compressed, of course. Um, and uh, this is this is for uh, uh, part of our digital research uh, product, and in the, in the digital marketing for the keywords data set, um, we have also a data set that is some dozens of terabytes, but it's crossing the trillion rows of data. Um, other than that, we have we have more than 100 ETLs of data ingestions running every day or month. So we have, I think, over uh, 30 or 40 tables in uh, in DynamoDB. And in general, I think um, we are running over petabyte in production. And that's, of course, you know, only what we serve, which is three years of data. And we have more in our uh, data lake. When you set out to, you know, the... Comfy. <laughs> when you set out on the journey, you mentioned before, around, you know, the versioning of the data. I think yeah. that's something that uh, you know is becoming, like that said, uh, more interesting. Do what? How do you, would you recommend for people who want to go into that direction to take it on? Because it feels like there's no clear sort of market standard how to go about it. People are trying to figure out. There's even you know startups and companies being built around that 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 area, uh, yeah. like LakeFS. Uh, what's your take? What do you would you recommend? Wow, uh, take for data versioning. You say so the first of all let's understand the challenge right because theoretically you can say okay so i have new version let's override the problem is that you would like first of all sometimes you would like to show to customers in production like us two different versions and of course before you release the production you would like to have some staging uh product that you can test so you want to be able to work seamlessly with the uh, two versions maybe more um actually we're doing a lot of infrastructure work right now on it but um I think the main um, 
the main area to you know to plan is for the actual serving layer for the databases um, because uh, in data lake as you say like like FS where you have a like a, a, a lot of uh, methods uh, to manage like data versions but eventually I have let, let's take DynamoDB table so I, I have one table and I now I have another version so whether I want to manage uh, a table per version and then if I want to take 12 month from one and then from another, that's one kind of complexity. Uh, we historically using a lot uh, prefix or suffix with like the branch name, okay? Uh, but you will need to design it in advance because otherwise you will get into a situation that you want to write. And I, again, I'm talking about the serving itself. You want to write only part of the data uh, for um, like for the new branch and you're willing to think how they both merge together. And you know, in big data, if you want to uh, union data or, or join, uh, it's not always a trivial task, and you can uh, lose performance for that. So I would say modeling the serving data, uh, I think that's the most complex part. Because as you say, there are many. I think also Delta Lake now have some um, uh, solutions for the versions. But when we're talking about serving, that's not trivial at all. We are still struggling, by the way, uh, what, what, what is more relevant. And when you are running some analytics engine on the data, it's even more complex. What do you mean you're struggling? You told me everything was perfect uh, before the call. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is perfect. Nothing. The versions are, uh, are related to the models, right? Uh, different yeah. model versions require different data versions, which yeah. is uh, translated into a feature version. And mm -hmm. the challenge is across every step, right? And you've mentioned up to the serving part, uh, but then it starts much earlier. Um, yeah, this is why versioning in lakes is, is becoming such a hot topic. It's connected to ML, it's connected to models, and, uh, and of course, it's fascinating. You need to, and of course, you need to hold some metadata store for your versions, right? Like, okay, so I, now I have multiple versions all over the place. Somebody needs to hold this information. <laughs> Which in your case is what metadata store? So uh, we, we, we are using, um, it's it's an in-house solution. Uh, you know, it's a simple database that we are holding um, mm -hmm. a relational database with some service that we wrote. Uh, but again, think about it. It's something that is in your critical path, right? Because um, unless you have some cache in place, so you need to go through this service always to ask, wait, where do I get the data from? This mm -hmm. is your router, basically. So that's also a critical part. So wired into the product yeah. versus put... just kind of looking at different versions to figure out which report yeah, or again, I, I want i want to rewrite my entire data always right i would rather only, only write parts of it so i want to hold the changes somewhere that i can uh, serve seamlessly uh, let's say a perfect graph but it's a combinated of i know five different versions of data let's continue down that path uh testing so how do you go about you know testing your your data so um, again, testing is is all over the place uh, as part of the modeling, of course, there's data vetting and, and everything. In our part, so we are running, uh, we we have a very large stack of, of uh, automation testing that's running on the product and seeing like the final final results. Um, what is important again in our life that we, we have a window release and snap release. Okay, we have a daily release of of daily data, and then we have a snapshot where all the monthly calculations are taking part. Um, and we have daily, we have basically nightly tests, making sure um, that we have 
first of all, a full sync between our data lake and our production databases, um, and that we uh, actually showing new data. Okay, it's very, I mean, um, it, 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 right, it's supposed to happen that if you have, I don't know, hundreds of data sets that somewhere you will get a zero, right? So we are always testing that we are not missing anything. And this is like the critical test I'm always talking about with my teams. Uh, please, when you are releasing a feature with new data, make sure that next month we will see numbers. Uh, it's like the dummiest test, but you know, you always lose something. Um, and yeah, I think th this is this is the main area. I mean, we, we have multiple tests in place, you know, for units, but uh, I don't think it's uh, like the most relevant now. Yeah, testing is is moving from units to data units uh, and, and, and results. Yeah. What uh, product, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you're delivering, uh, you know, an experience to users. They slice and dice, they look at data from different angles, and user experience is great and fast. But what sort of are your guiding, I would say, product principles? How do you think about, you know, the user experience? How fast, how slow is query is not good enough to be in the UI? Uh, uh, how much does engineering needs to be pushed to come with ideas to make things sort of smooth from an experience perspective? Yeah, so there is there is like general uh, user experience uh, science, and, and there is also the part of uh, how easy it to use the product. So we are talking about uh, basically time to insight in similar web. I mean, what what is how many actions and how long does it take to get a, an insight from our huge data sets? Um, I think in terms of performance, I, I really believe that, and, and Google has a lot of uh, articles about it, that um, in, in some point, let's say around, I know, five to 10 seconds, this is where you are starting to losing it, especially now that we are so used for instant messaging. Um, and the user will wait for the for this report, but he won't play with the data and won't, and won't slice it over and over again and drill down if every action takes now 10 to 15 minutes, uh, seconds, sorry. Okay, it won't happen. And we see it in the data. Um, we did several revolutions in the last year or so, um, taking data sets from Athena to other operational databases um, or starting a POC with you know um, a low engine and then taking it with a more robust cluster or whatever uh, the solution is. And we see the difference. We see more number of queries per users um, as we as we increase the performance. Um, and, and this is for, from the performance side. And, and the other part is how do we take um, the most relevant piece of data and expose it to the customer as soon as possible. Um, we didn't crack it uh, perfectly yet, but, but we're having uh, more and more step into it. That the onboarding experience will be that you define who you are, what is your market or competitors, and we will give you the most interesting part of data. Another question I had in mind. So how do you guys hire? I mean, you know, you're hiring engineers for, for the data yeah. server team, but the skill set you require is, is not a, a trivial one. So mm -hmm. what was the strategy there? Yeah, so um, I, in general, hiring is not easy these days. Um, hiring backend developers or data engineers is really tough, especially experienced ones. Um, we are focusing on hiring smart people, good engineers, um, with one of the aspects, aspects sorry, of our stack, and we are we are understanding that we will have to 
have this ramp up and learning curve uh, for the other part. So if we have a strong backend engineer, uh, we want to believe that he will be able to pretty quickly take over our backend stack. And then we will give him all he needs to know about data engineering. Uh, and if we are getting a strong data engineer, uh, we believe that he will be able to uh, uh, to track with our backend stack. So basically, I don't think we ever hired someone that is really um, fully stacked with both data engineering and backend development. So for that team, essentially, you're looking for both. You would get both data engineering oriented people and backends. And I think that I always, I always tell uh, my backend team that uh, part of my problem is that once, once you are in similar web, so you are like a superstar, yeah, you can do everything. Um, so it's a very, very desired material in the market. But, but yeah, our stack is not trivial. Um, and again, I think also, you know, BI developments got more and more complex over the years, but they, they usually have a different mission um, because most of the processing is happening offline. Um, and, and we are taking care of a really big stack of, of production data, uh, data stack. Uh, what makes you know the challenge bigger? So for all these years running a data stack in production, what are the which were the most sensitive or error prone or risky areas that ended up causing on average more errors in production that you had hoped for? Like if you would go back in time, knowing what you know now, which errors would you have tackled to make uh, you know for less incidents in production? Mm, you are asking like what what should I? Should have we improved? I mean, most at the end of the day, the incidents that you guys happened that affected uh, the experience were they more in you know the uh, the, the data versioning, the ETLs mm. were serving uh, yeah. mismatch of uh, you know schema issues. I don't know where were the most uh, what were the most sensitive areas in retrospect. Yeah, so I, I think um, above all, important to say we are running full, uh, um, like we have two regions that we are maintaining. So we have basically um, a hot backup on two regions because that happens. Okay, we are managing uh, historically HBase cluster um, and, and things happen and we have a very, very uh, structured uh, methodology of shifting from one region to another. Um, and that's something that we, we we know how to do, and and usually happen. You know, machine errors. Uh, this this happens a lot of times. Um, we realized that uh, um, data validation, like again between the data lake and the actual database, is a, is a very very critical uh, thing. Again, our customers are buying data from us. So in in that uh, saying that. It's it's very bad experience um, if you are querying data and getting one one uh, response and the next day you will get a different number. Okay, so this is also something that uh, we experienced. By by the way, in may, like in very in various areas, it can be that we had um, some historical bug that when when loading data and because we are writing in batches, we have a daily batch or monthly batch. So writing to DynamoDB, we had some bug between, you know, in, in the Spark client, actually, that we realized that we are just losing rows uh, on the way to Dynamo. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it was, uh, it wasn't logged very well. So we just, you know, in, in that case, you just, you, you have, key, you have keys in the, in, in the data lake that doesn't exist in production. Um, it happened when we, we just loaded 
uh, data that wasn't synced well. So the numbers, we, we didn't have the same rows count or same aggregation count for between the, the, the query engine and our data lake. So we had we added many tests around the, uh, these areas. Um, and eventually you will be surprised even UI can create some issues, you know, because sometimes during, you know, team, uh, uh, teamwork, so we're saying, okay, it's just a simple average. I will do it uh, in JavaScript. Um, but then, uh, you know, the customer get maybe a different experience because one developer, uh, you know, wrote the code for the for the client for the graph and and one for for the Excel in the backend and one for the API and then you have some tiny number typos um, that usually will say who cares but you know our customer cares. Um, we have it's important to mention some of our customers uh, has you know they have uh, many data analysts that um, getting our data in batches you know from API and they are doing the math. They don't need the UI. Mm -hmm. So in their world, uh, if we have tiny uh, bias all over the place, uh, it's a big deal. What parts are, are of the stack today do you sort of consider legacy and are planned to be phased out in the next year or so? I don't know if phased out. Uh, we are doing um, a lot of exploration around um, changing the way we are uh, maintaining the HBase cluster today. So we have... Uh, uh, we we need it's basically a technical debt during the years. Uh, we we used to have some very uh, nice hacks uh, in the old versions for how we prepare um, the data files actually to to HBase uh, and and how we manage the clusters. So this is something that we are working on strongly. Um, other than that, we are um, uh, we we understand that we we need we 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 need the ability to be able as much as we can to serve uh, from same data source uh, for features that are using the same data. Okay, uh, pre-calculation, again, it's great uh, in terms of performance, um, but the developer experience can be very bad. Okay, imagine that now it, it happens uh, a lot that you need to take um, one aggregation over an existing data set. So you have this dilemma, will I calculate it again? And then you have you know hundreds of of uh, uh, of transitioning all over the place, and and it's really hard to track. Or you want to execute the query on the fly, um, and then the performance penalty is always the question. AAP aggregation analysis paralysis. <laughs> Given that you are like right uh, 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 aggregating the the everything that's out there in terms of data. Can you give us, share with us kind of how fast the universe of data is expanding? Uh, meaning that kind of, right, it's constantly growing. How much of a challenge is that? How, how fast is data growing given that, right, it's not per user, it's actually just massive, massive granular data points across so many industries. How fast is it growing? So yeah, I, I, can, I can tell that um, we have data sets where, where we are loading every month, let's say, uh, two terabytes for, for a single database. Uh, so actually, um, we are seeing an increase um, in also in coverage. So we want to cover more and more uh, from the internet. I believe we are not seeing everything, you know, all the dark net and areas that uh, doesn't exist, but we, we have more and more websites. And um, in also in, in the internet area, I think that you have new websites every day. Now, the, the, I think this is where the main challenge, because 
it's you you don't have um an absolute number of you know entities it's like growing the entities are growing so maybe the data is not always like in exponential growth but the number of entities is like endless uh, keywords is something that you know uh all, three of us want to buy jeans but we will search for different terms right because skinny, that last I, I search for skinny yeah i, th I thought that for the skinny but yeah <laughs> so um so uh these data sets are growing uh, massively because the entities are being changed of course you have the baseline but by the way we are exploring it uh, a lot and, and and we are seeing that keywords especially are changing on a daily basis think about our life so today we have um you know the the, the russia ukraine war okay um 10 years ago you had something else and and today you have some fashion trend and tomorrow you will have some fashion trend and you have nft today and then spacex and tesla and every day it's something else so the information is is endless um and for that reason uh, you can you cannot assume that most of your data uh, is the same um the opposite most of your data will be changed cardinality is a nightmare mm -hmm. um but and I, I i i will that reminds me um, eventually we serve the entire internet but our customers are not querying the entire internet um so in that matter um something that they really want us to be able to do in the next couple of years uh, is to find solutions where we can optimize um what our customers are more interested in and then you know to have a better uh, a, a more cost-effective solution to to give a very um, very robust solution for the for the data customers are really querying and having some cold storage for whatever just need to be there and can be queried sometime somewhere is uh you know you brought up a uh, cost which is you know we didn't cover it and it's interesting for a company yeah. like 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 similar web yeah. how how predictable is cost these days uh, and how tough is it to to manage so um also from colleagues uh in similar web and out similar way i know it's tough actually this was one of the first actions i took when i got into this role i'm really i'm really glad that i did it um because we did some um uh, cross uh, action in, in again for for the data server team and now we are tagging every spark cluster every database every table each ETL running. So I have a very, very good granularity to know for a specific feature, the entire cost from the ETL and the ingest and the data serving, um, the databases, the staging, the development. So I have a very good visibility, uh, but otherwise it's impossible. I mean, I think the, the number of roles and tags that I have today in, in, my, in, our, in our stack, it's, it's something that you cannot manage uh if you don't have a standard you need a data warehouse to manage your tags yeah actually no that, that's really that's a, a very good tip i think uh, as soon as you do that you can control again shit happens but at least you can you can know on real time what happened so is that and it's happened to me every week i think there is no week that i'm not you know uh slacking to one of our engineers and what the hell is that why is that on okay um i see i see some anomaly you know in a in a specific table for a specific team so that's very very important because otherwise you did you don't know what happened you just know that you have a bias of i don't know ten thousand dollars now go figure it out 
So uh, managing your tags. <laughs> Keep uh, your tags close. Yeah. Yeah, close. Uh, as close as can be. Uh, this is awesome. You have, I mean, uh, super inspiring, I think. I mean, you, you, it's rare to see uh, products that are so, so, so deeply driven by, by, by data. And you know, I've personally played with similar product, and it's absolutely amazing the, the levels of experience uh, you get there, the breadth of analysis coupled with such a great user experience in terms of speed and, and insight is something uh, definitely to learn from. So thank you uh, for joining. Thank you, uh, and see you around. See you around. Thank you, Yoav. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye bye. So. We've launched just a few months ago. Uh, we're growing quite nicely, right? Yes. How many views do we have? Very happy. I think we've got like two thousands, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, not bad. But we want more. If more. you like this, yes. help us spread the love. Yes. If you don't like a dad, spread, you know, vote for replacing for me. me for someone else. Uh, That's fine. And, you know, we promise to try our best to keep bringing you amazing, boss. the data people from the most interesting data companies. So subscribe, make our mama proud, yes. help us out. Love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs>